Does that make sense? Yeah, it feels like there's almost this cultural stigma or thought process or ideology that pervades a a, a group, whether it's a nationality or a specific skin color or, or specific religion. Line. What's that? It's a storyline that they've been engaged in collectively over a period. Hmm. And you look at it now, like if you're you're an Italian American, right? So we'll call it, right? So you're American, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. okay. So you're you're what we call Italian American, meaning you have majority of ancestry is this one group, but you're here. But like so I think that the people in America don't feel it as much because you're not really connecting to any roots that much unless you have your grandparents are still around and then you feel that energy from them because they generally carry these codes because uh, they just embody that. Whereas in the modern culture, people always want to try to like kind of drop their culture and be homogenized for some reason. But anyway, so what I've noticed is that that the people who like in our in our generation, they don't connect as much as to the ancestry because they're just living in this very homogenized what we'll call americanized culture where it's like oh, i'm an american i'm not an italian but if you just look at the ancestry itself that's when you start to look at your storyline and then you can look at the others in that group and look at the collective storyline what has this collective storyline been how, how has it been unfolding from the beginning, the origin of time? And, and what was the story back then? How did it evolve? And where is it now? And that's when you see what this collective story is of the ancestry. And I would say that, the, like going to the military thing for a second, I think that there's even been throughout history, military soul group. And I don't know, because I, was, I don't think I was ever in the military. But I was, I'm a family of that. So I think that it was in my ancestry in the periphery, but it wasn't my story directly. But I'm very connected to them because I had a similar learning curve, even though it was through different, through different way of, of learning it. But like whatever it is. So let's say, you know, another example, like I said earlier, is like black people, African-American or even just the ones in Africa and, the, and their whole slavery story. They're the most common to really understand that in the modern time because they still talk about it. They still relate to it. They still feel it. And, and, you know, I don't know if you have black friends, but like you hear it and you know that it's a deep wound. And so it's, a, it's an important thing for people that have a similar wound to connect to each other so they don't feel alone in their trauma but also to find ways to heal it collectively, to heal it with their friends, their tribe, their community, their family, because they all share it, right? And if you share a, a wound with everyone around you, you can just sit there and look at it bleeding, or you can actually be like, oh, this is actually a, an opportunity for us to heal together, to, to look at this and, and to have that uh, support that we can offer each other because we all understand on this deep level, what this is about, what this feels like, what it, where it's coming from, even perhaps in some cases, and like how to now, now what they need to know is how do we actually heal it? And that's what I've been focused on over all these years is like teaching people how to heal these things, how to heal your traumas, how to heal the, not, not necessarily always been focusing on the ancestry, but I think it, it got to the point about the ancestry because I came to this feeling of like, 
you can only go so deep until you start looking at the ancestry. If you don't go there, you'll always feel like you didn't fully get to the core or the root of it. You just kind of like still got more to heal. And that's where you hear, heal a lot of people in the spiritual community talking about getting into the healer's trap, where you're just always in this perpetual journey of healing. And the way I see it is that if you don't go to the root of whatever your problem is, you'll always be in that loop. We'll call it like a hamster wheel of healing where it's like, I'm trying to heal, I'm trying to heal, but you're not getting to the root. So you're just like managing the symptoms of this problem. And if you don't go to the root, you're always just going to be in the hamster wheel of managing symptoms. And it's it's a very disturbing place because you know, you know, you're working hard to get to this healing and you're never getting there. And you always feel like it's just with a little out of reach. And so that's when I really started going to the ancestry and I started to understand how important that was and, and to really connect more with my ancestry. Whereas for so long, I felt really ashamed of it. I felt embarrassed to even have that ancestry. I tried to pretend mm. it wasn't even a part of me. And what that does is it's, it's like when you cut yourself off from yourself, you're you're living and it's like a very uh, separate energy and you need to integrate the energy, which is to make it feel more whole, to feel like it's okay to be accepting of whatever it was and not only accepting, but to to love it and then to to finally get to a place where you appreciate and you can see the blessing of it or you can see why it happened and the and the wisdom gained from it that's when you know you fully healed from it because you've now you've taken this darkness and you've turned it into pure light and it's kind of like the saying of turning lemons into lemonade you know it's literally like just taking the worst case scenario making it into the best case scenario and that's alchemy at its finest. And that's really what I've always thought. I've seen myself as an alchemist because I really, you know, that's the only way to go. I, I don't see any other option. Like it's <laughs> everything else is like a waste. I see everybody else are just like managing symptoms. Oh, take this, you know, CBD oil. I mean, not to say those things are not good, but you know what I'm saying? They're not going to get you to your deepest healing, right? It's just going to be like, okay, or, you know, cannabis became so, so popular. It was always you know, I was into cannabis my whole life. Like I said, my parents used to grow it, but it's so popular because and alcohol too, and even plant medicine, it's really popular because it helps you feel better, you know, but it's really just keeps you managing the symptoms. Unless you have true wisdom to help you integrate what it is that's like the root cause of your problems, then you're always going to just be masking, numbing, and managing symptoms. And that's just a loop that I don't want that for anyone. Like it's, it's a, it could be decades of that. And then you just go looping and looping and you go, why am I not making the progress? And I'm doing all this and you're not really, you can't get there from that frame of consciousness. And it seems like the same loop that the current medical institutions in America also perpetuate, which is just attacking the symptoms and treating the symptoms as appears to curing that root cause. Exactly. This is where I see it the most. I mean, when I recently, I'll tell you, this whole thing that I just described, this whole conversation coming from my childhood, trauma, ancestry, all this stuff, but specifically uh, the ancestry and the trauma being tied to gut health. And it's interesting because I always had all these gut problems. And I knew that there was a connection between that and my root chakra, but I couldn't fully get to the root of why or where this is coming from or like, how do I heal it? And it was just so disturbing because 
you know, my whole life, I'm sitting here managing these symptoms, like, oh, I'm getting this, like, no food digest properly. I'm like intolerant to everything almost. So I would get so strict. And I was like, doing fasting a lot and cleansing. And I would do like, all these things. And it was helping to a small extent, it was managing the symptoms. So I was feeling better when I would do those things. And then if I ate something that didn't prop- properly digest and all of a sudden I'm back into my other symptoms and I was like man it seems like I can't eat anything and like I couldn't understand root of this and it was interesting because I went along like that for so long and I was I had and it was good for me I think it was like part of my biohacking journey I, I learned so much about biohacking through this so I always look at everything like a blessing I'm like okay I learned everything through this I learned about fasting I I went like two months with only liquids one summer I did 22 colon hydrotherapy. I did 14 liver flushes in one summer. Like literally, I cleaned myself like from the inside, like you can't believe. And it was like, nobody would have gone to that extreme if I wouldn't have had the level of discomfort that I was dealing with because I had all these parasites. Anyway, so it got me to a point though, where I finally realized that the whole world is just managing symptoms right? They're just doing this thing that gets them to feel better for a little while, but it never fully heals. And I saw the statistics about gut health, literally 70 to 90% of all people in America have gut issues. Nobody talks about it. But the correlation between the gut issues and this trauma, specifically inner child trauma and or anything to do with the root chakra, like moving a lot, um, having any kind of sexual or violation, poverty in your family, any of these things are all root chakra issues, not feeling safe and secure, not having your needs met, and um, not feeling the support that you need to be able to manifest whatever you need, you know, need in life. So I had a lot of that. And it affected me. And I knew there was a relationship between this gut health and these stories of my child. And I'd been working through that for many years. But finally, uh, a friend of mine, who is a billionaire. He's actually like so smart and he's really into biohacking. And he told me about this, this thing that he did that he felt was like the ultimate biohack uh, for your gut. And it was called FMT. And FMT, it stands for fecal matter transplant. That's basically the grossest thing that you could talk about. But basically it's like- I think I saw a South Park episode on this. (laughs) Yeah, like it's crazy. Nobody talks about it, but it's interesting. So it's like you take somebody who has healthy gut and you implant basically their microbiome in yours, basically, with taking their poop, putting it in yours. But it literally has a 90 plus percent success rate for permanently healing gut issues. And it's interesting because most people are just managing symptoms, right? They're taking laxatives or they're taking this enzyme and they're hoping that this is going to fix it. It never does. And the reason it doesn't fix it is because the microbiome itself is so damaged in our culture in America from things such as vaccines, antibiotics, the fluoride in the water, pesticides, GMO, toxins, stress, trauma, all of those things have destroyed what we would call the microbiome of like 90% of people's gut. So they're wondering, why can't I digest the food properly? Well, the food itself is poison because of the pesticides and all these other things. But like besides for that, even if you have pure organic food, which I always do, it's still, if you have had antibiotics or like I said, um, vaccines or any of these other like things that I just described ever in your life, it has poured like toxins into the microbiome. And your microbiome is this very 
sensitive environment of like a very perfect balance of like certain bacteria that's needed in order for things to thrive. And if you don't have the right balance in there, you can be like totally messed up and not know it. So I finally found a really good doctor and he got me to do this gut test and it showed me all of the imbalances in my microbiome. And I was able to see that. And then um, we've, we're, we're fixing it. I'm actually in the process of it. I started the FMT thing. It's, it was a huge leap because I was You're like, doing so it. grossed out by it. You know, I was like, oh, that's oh. weird. But then now I'm like so into it because I'm like, you know what? How else are you going to replace your microbiome? I mean, this is a very strange but like actually cutting edge way. And the FDA now, they've patented their own one. And they're going to start um, offering what? it. And it's a capsule and it's microbiome, it's FMT, but basically they're only allowing it for people that have this thing called C. diff, but I think eventually it'll be available for everybody. It's even covered by insurance if you have C. diff, but C. diff is just one of these bacteria that can get out of balance. They'll give you the, the protocol and you can heal that with these, um, and the FDA approved it. It's going to be pharmaceutical grade, but now, oh so we're just at the baby stage of this, like, this is good. the reason that the F FDA is not you know, promoting it yet, I think is because they don't want everybody to jump on board because this is going to actually heal people's gut. And they just spent decades like destroying everyone's gut basically. So, <laughs> you know, no, it's like, all right. but they're going to make a lot of money off of it. Cause that, that one from the FDA, I think it's starting at 9,000, but basically whatever it costs, right? Cause if you can heal your gut, you heal your life because your gut is where you produce 90% of your happiness, hormones, serotonin, dopamine, all of the health and happiness is literally coming from the gut. So people that have depression, anxiety, all these problems, sometimes it's because of the mind, but a lot of it's coming actually from the gut. And those are so connected, the mind gut and the, or in the gut mind, we'll call it, I call it the gut brain. The gut brain and your head brain are like interrelated. And so with all these stories of the traumas of the ancestry that you don't even have a, a like an actual conscious awareness, but it's in there and there's a remembrance mm. of it. And then it's energy is living in the gut, creating this like sort of low grade, constant anxiety, which feels like this. It's like a little shaking, doesn't feel safe. It, it's like always a little on edge in your gut. And this is created from this environment being out of balance. And this is happening in so many people. That's why there's so much of this 90% of Americans having gut issues. It's not the same in Europe. You know, you go over there, they don't have it as much. A lot of it is actually within our culture, within the American tribe, we'll call it the the soul family of what we're calling the American. Yeah, the American soul family. Yeah. Yeah, this is, um, I, I was doing some research as you were talking about the fecal mat transplant because, uh, is it also called fecal microbia gropita transplantation? Is that the same thing? Yeah, I think that's kind of the... So I had to look this up because I, I, the first time I heard this was in a South Park episode. So that was my first exposure to it. So I kind of took it as it being a joke. I didn't know that this was actually a thing. Uh, they actually have this whole thing with like the entire town's trying to get Tom Brady's like stool so that they can all like use it. Um, so I guess, so here's like this abstract of one of the, an article I found that's on BMJ open gastrology. I'll put a link down in the description for people. 
But the abstract I of it is that this. My doctor, he has a great thing. It's Purity Clinic, but you can read even about the history of this, which went all the way back to Egypt and okay. the ancient times. They would do this in Asia. Real quick, what's the link for it while you're saying this? P U R E T Y, Purity Clinic. Okay. I think it's purityclinic.com, I think. But he has a whole bunch of articles on the history of this. And they've done this for thousands of years in Asia, in Japan, in Egypt. And they would actually, during times when a lot of people got dysentery or different sickness, they were at such like a rudimentary, like very low level of scientific advancement that they would literally have you eat soup made out of poop. And then that would heal people. And they were learning that way. And then now they've evolved where you can do it in an enema or you can take a capsule. I mean, it's much better now, but I would have not (laughs) been involved back then when it was like, have some soup. Um, But it was healing people. It was helping. It did work even back then. That was like the interesting thing. And there's science uh, history that shows these things. So that's the interesting thing. It's not new technology necessarily. The only new technology is the delivery system and um and actually the testing that they do to the donor so it's interesting because the testing is so rigorous for example i was thinking about this i was like who would qualify to be the person who could donate this like who are these people with great good health and they said okay so you can never have had vaccines you can never have had antibiotics you can never have had uh like a whole list of stuff right? You have to be like perfect gut health your whole life. And then basically you can't have had COVID even. And, um, and then you qualify and then they'll do the, um, donor or whatever. And so I was thinking like, who are these people? At first I thought maybe they're indigenous tribal, like from the Amazon jungle, you know, (laughs) like they must be somewhere else. And he said, no, these people are in Santa Barbara. (laughs) He said 20% of the people that come there qualify and they do a whole test and everything they they have great gut health and i was like wow i want to live there i think because these people must be very cool (laughs) yeah i'm i'm trying to find research on it but it seems like it's a it's a difficult one to find but that's crazy that there's like this long history of of it and how it all is just like interconnected it seems like um the the best i can find here is that like in america Fecal matter or fecal transplant has been used in the U.S. sporadically since the 1950s without much regulation. It has gained popularity in the U.S. in the past few years, although experts estimate that a total number of treatments to date in the U.S. remains below 500 patients. In late spring of 2013, the FDA announced it was classifying fecal matter as both an investigational new drug and a biologic, a biologic and that only physicians currently in possession of an improved IND application would be allowed to continue performing fecal transplant. Uh, this is re- this resulted in less than 20 physicians in the U.S. being allowed to perform fecal transplant. There was a groundswell of opposition from physicians and patients. And on June 17, 2013, the FDA reversed their position and announced that qualified physicians could continue to perform FMT for, reoccur- for recurrent C. diff only. With signed consent, that's what you were talking about earlier. Highly effective treatment, low cost, low risk, highly effective. Yeah, this is crazy. Do you select who donates their 
fecal matter to you? <laughs> How does that work? No, they select. I mean, the doctor will select it. But there's even like a, a whole testing that you can do called the Nirvana biome that will get even more specific on like what your specific ancestry of your biome is. And then they can find someone that's the most closest match to that. So there's ways of getting like really specific about it. But I don't know. I think it's just so cool because I'm really into biohacking and I've found like you can heal your ancestry, you can heal your trauma, yeah. you can heal your consciousness, you can heal your gut. Like you don't have to suffer. Even when I was in a high school, right when I graduated high school, I got in a big car accident, almost died and I got scoliosis. And all the doctors said you can't heal scoliosis. You just have to like go to chiropractors. And But I always believed you can heal anything. So I just believed that. But I didn't have how I just knew I'm going to find a way. And then one day I found a woman who had healed her spine with yoga and she, she had scoliosis and she healed her spine with wow. yoga. So it gave me hope. And that's really one of the things that got me on my path as a teacher in the yoga and healing arts is because I realized, wow. Okay. So the reason for anything, like any suffering that we have, let's say it we'll call scoliosis or gut health, you have this because there's an element that needs healing and, and it's your soul speaking to you through this pain or through this discomfort or through this misalignment. And in order to heal it, you have to learn what is the message that it has for me and what is the wisdom to gain from that. And then what is the, how do you get it to alignment, right? So for the spine, how you get it to alignment, right? I had to do yoga and that got me to alignment. And then with the gut health, how do you get that to wholeness, the microbiome to a perfect place? There's probably, I don't know. I don't know of any other way that I could ever feel that I could truly stand behind yet because I tried everything and nothing worked permanently until I found this and I've, I've heard that it works permanently. So we'll see because I'm just in the middle. But like the idea that that you could find a permanent healing. Like I permanently healed my scoliosis with yoga. I permanently, hmm. I feel like healed my soul karma with the Kriyas and the other aspects of yoga. Um, and then the gut biome, I think the FMT can be one of those things in my feel, feeling is like a permanent, because it's, a, it's like basically a, you're replacing your microbiome with a healthy microbiome. And if you can just maintain a good one after that, you're going to be good for life because now you're, it's like starting over from scratch with a really good gut. And um, I think that that's something that everyone deserves, but in whatever reason, our American culture has this collective trauma of this gut biome problem. But I think that if it makes sense, if you think about it, because if you look at the karma of our country, we came in and stole the land from the native Americans. That's a root chakra. We were the ego aggressor of that. Now, we weren't directly. It was our ancient, ancient, ancient ancestors, whoever was living here. My, my family was from Europe, so we weren't directly related to that story. But the idea that that was happening in Europe, too, where there was the indigenous people and the white people or whatever came along, took the land, killed the people that were here. And that's a similar thing that we were talking about with the with the Italians, where it's like the ego is so big. They're like, we deserve this land. You don't. We're going to kill you. Bye. And then they just like they just destroyed the sacredness of the people and the land. And so I feel intuitively that could be the reason why America has a collective gut biome problem. Right. This this like ancestral trauma is coming from our karma of stealing this land. 
and treating the indigenous people in the way that they were treated. And so there's a part of me that realizes to heal like the, the full story of it is also got to go back to like really doing something for the indigenous people in a better way that makes it right. I don't know how, but I'm going to eventually hopefully come up with that, but ultimately to make it right, because so far it's never been made right. And I lived in South Dakota. I saw like most of them became alcoholics because they were just so traumatized that that their land was taken. Now they have nothing. They're pushed off their land. They're given this little reservation on the crappiest desert piece of land in a trailer park when they used to have the beautiful land and their buffalo and they were living like the best life. So we did that to them. And now I don't take it full responsibility because I wasn't necessarily 100% part of that. But you have to take responsibility on some level when it's your ancestry. So there's healing to do in all these capacities where I just talked for great great depth about my Jewish ancestry, but that's only one part of me, right? There's like 50%. The other part of me is like all these other lineages. There are storylines with each lineage that has, there's work to do there. You don't have to like spend your whole life on this. I mean, I just go into it when something comes up. And if it's a recurring theme, then I really dive in because I'm like, that's just my the way I am. I'm not going to let things keep coming up and not address it. <laughs> it's interesting. I'm, I'm trying to relate this back to myself in this current time. And I think the one idea that keeps coming up to me would be with the United States and our pro proclamation, maybe our identification with being number one. And it's always struck me as very curious on this path where it's like how much of it is my internal belief you know manifested and wills it into reality versus doing the physical work in order for such a thing to achieve and i see this greatly and you know if we're talking about like a group think it seems to me at a even on a world stage america is perceived as being like number one but if you break it down you know, we're probably in one of the weakest positions we've been in in regards to our economy, our military strength, the leadership that we have at the top. And so it seems like, you know, kind of floating back on what you're talking about here, that that would be almost this, this reoccurrence, this reemergence of maybe where Rome was. And then overnight it flips on its head because you think for so long that you're number one, you guys are the leaders of the free world. And then overnight, everything could change. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody that I know in my community has always more or less been seeing that America is kind of the the second Rome, (laughs) the empire that fell. And it's been in the crumbling for a while. It's like our leadership has been the problem. Our leadership is a puppet all it's like it's never about the guy or the person it's just whoever's in the puppet position so the actual structure of the whole systems are broken and the the school system structure is broken the farming community is poisoned so there's so many systems that have been just like poisoned and destroyed and it's it's from this sort of like core of negligence around caring truly for the people even though that's what our declaration proclamation is based on for the people by the people and all that but it's like if these people who are us were really like the main intention was to make sure that we're all good then these systems wouldn't be this way we wouldn't have poisoned water and food we wouldn't have 
systems in the school that crank out mental disease because the kids are so messed up, we wouldn't have the government in the way that it is. So it's become corporatized and that's going back to the ego thing. So it's like the ego power is looking for always the profit and it's always at the expense of the people because they haven't figured out the evolution of that, which is you can actually profit, but that it's good for the people. But they haven't gotten that structure yet. They've just come up with like at the expense of the people. That mm. formula is working really well for the powers that, that are running it. So it's just really just a broken system. It's kind of like when you have, let's say you have like iPhone 2 or something, and it's just like it's not working, you know, and like people are just, they're just trying to keep the old system going. It's just broken. And you have to upgrade the system. The only way to upgrade the system, you have to do massive changes. But they're like so slow of changing anything. And there are a lot of the people that run it are not really in the paradigm of evolutionary thinking. So they're more like, okay, we just put a Band-Aid here. We put more money in this thing. We do this. You know, the one system that they've done really well is, is actually the military. Our military is the number one in the world still. No matter what you want to say about America, that's why we became the world power is because our military is the number one in the world. The reason that we have the number one military in the world is two reasons. Number one, we put the most money into it. Trillions of dollars. The number one expense of America governments is the military. So that's actually a good thing because that's why we got so powerful. That's why a lot of people feel really good about being American because you feel safe. You're like, okay, well, at least I got these guys. They're going to protect me in some way. They can't always like 9-11. They weren't able to. There were certain times when they couldn't, but I in general feel pretty safe in that regard. But because you can go to countries where they don't have a good military and you can feel the difference when you don't feel safe in a country because people can walk around with a gun. I mean, it's a different environment when you actually just don't feel safe to walk around the street. And in America, for the most part, we have a really good thing there. But the other thing is they haven't figured out how to fix the system there. And that's what I'm focused on is that, you know, they put these people in the military. I had a lot of friends that went into the military, people in my family as well. And they go in and they get so traumatized because being a human is already traumatizing. And then you put someone in war or conflict zones and it's like there's no chance that you're going to come out not traumatized after being in war. Uh, so they got like millions of people traumatized just because the way the whole thing is and they don't have a really good system in place to heal them or to help them even so that's where i really um, feel passionate to help these people right now because i'm like i have the solutions i figured out how to heal my own trauma i've been healing people millions of people's trauma for many many years and i'm like i can really help them and the, the government doesn't have a good system in place for that you know so i feel really good about being able to serve in that way but then it goes back to the other picture of like okay, the reason that we have broken systems or mass dysfunction or lots of issues is because it actually gives people purpose because then humans come and go, oh, actually, I'm going to help this. I'm going to fix this. And then we have a whole like army of angels that are born on earth with the knowing that they're coming because there's like millions of people that have PTSD and they, they're going to help with that. Or there's like millions of people that homeless and they're going to make that their mission. Or there's millions of people that whatever have had poverty consciousness and because they learned that through the journey of their own soul evolution then they actually came back in this lifetime to teach and heap help those people through their own 
poverty consciousness journey to abundance consciousness. And so each soul has a purpose, but the purpose is only born because of the pain. There's no purpose without any like thing to help people with. What are you going to come back? I mean, you can come and sing and every, but if everybody was just singing and dancing, we wouldn't actually like evolve that much in that environment, right? So the soul would never choose that for like the collective to all just come back singing and dancing with a unicorn. It had to have this, this like duality of like dark and light, pain, and then angels to solve the pain and people that have been through it to like help them through it. And like, that's really what humanity is all about. So they teach in the Kabbalah. That's what this symbol, which is the um, flower or the um, mm. tree of life, this is the symbol of Kabbalah. It's a, it's about, it's a sacred geometry that represents that. It's like, you know, the ascension of the soul, which starts at the, the lowest consciousness and it rises to the highest consciousness. But the highest consciousness that soul comes back after been through many lifetimes of lessons and learning and wisdom gained and comes back fully equipped with ways to serve, ways to help others through their journey and they're going to be the torchbearer that's going to lead the people from darkness to the light or through the desert from Egypt into Israel, whatever you want to call that. But there's like always going to be those leaders that come back that have been through it. And now they've learned those lessons. Now they're going to teach. And that's why you see teachers and leaders and masters and healers and people that are uh, in a different position coming back to help everybody who's still going through it to come to that next level of evolution. This is very yeah. interesting. This is very interesting because I'm hearing the way that we're speaking about this, the way that you're speaking about this is very much from like a collective group level. And I'm trying to think of how to articulate this. And I find it fascinating because a lot of my mindset has almost been to give it to the individual, you know, say like it's the individual's responsibility to kind of heal their stuff, to kind of get their stuff going. Yet it seems to me I, that you're at this place now where you've done that inner work. You've healed that inner child. You've been doing this for years. I think I saw 18 years is what you had written down <laughs> yeah. on like yoga. Just crazy. So kudos to you on that. <laughs> right, yeah. the, I was <laughs> on YouTube since 2006. So that's like oh my. 15, 16 years. Since the beginning almost. So what I'm seeing, right. And I'm just kind of looking at this, your story. Cause I feel like your story is actually a little bit different than the typical person that I've talked to on this podcast, because it seems to me as if you're now at this point where the way that you're viewing it is more of this massive impact that needs to either be shifted or changed or the way that we can look at things. Whereas I feel like the people I used to have is more like introspective on the individual do you feel like you're at a point now where you're trying to take on a bigger challenge of, I don't know, whether it's like running for a political office or trying to <laughs> have a, cause that's what I'm hearing. I don't, I don't know if yeah. you're saying it on purpose, but I have this feeling that you got this like bigger just, thing going on. I just, I'll tell you, I just, like I said, from the beginning, I have this visionary consciousness, even from a kid, I was like, this. So I could always see, like I'm a seer. So I just see the big picture. And that's what I'm describing when I speak of collective, because I see the big picture. Like, if I talk about the individual, I can talk about that, too. Like, I did that for my whole life. But I feel like most people don't understand the big picture. So it's, like, great to talk about the individual picture. But I feel like a lot of people talk about that. And 
we can go down that road too. I mean, that's like lifetimes of those conversations, but I felt this conversation because we were more sort of like talking about the ancestral healing. These things are more like to really understand it. You have to understand the collective Like you can't see yourself as like a separate entity of the whole. If you really want to heal it, there is no me without you. Like there, we don't even exist without the idea of each other as a consciousness on planet earth. Like that's the paradigm shift because most people, they just see themselves. Like they're like, Oh, I'm going to focus on myself. And that, that level of healing will only get you so far. That's where the healing trap is. Self, Mm -hmm. self, self. I got to heal myself. And it's a loop that doesn't get you to the healing because the healing is the wholeness and wholeness is the oneness and the oneness is the unity consciousness and unity consciousness is beyond self. So if you're always just looking at self, 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 you're never going to get to the place of full wholeness of healing because that's the separation. So that separation will only get you so far. You need to do the inner work. You need to look at your specific story, your specific inner child, even your specific ancestry. But the energy has to be of the collective of me and you, me and my family, me and the story of humanity, me and the earth, that we have this energy that we are not separate. So when we start to see ourselves as separate from the earth, that's when we treat her badly, right? That's when we have destroyed her. And when we see ourselves as one with the earth, that's when you see the natives and the indigenous tribal cultures. They are living in full experience of oneness with nature. And I've been in those environments my whole life and their tribes in the jungles and everything. And they embody this, what I'm saying, which is this oneness with nature. And nature is mother earth. That we're going to use that word, Gaia, however you want to use the word. So they embody that. But then there's oneness with humanity. There's oneness with the universe. There's oneness with consciousness in general. (laughs) There's oneness. That's everything. But if you can want to segregate it into these different experiences of oneness to in order to like kind of start to get a better understanding, I think that that's like the ladder towards full understanding. Because Mm. if you can feel one with a tree, like a lot of psychedelics help you with that. You take some shrooms, (laughs) you go sit by the tree, you feel one with the tree. And you start to see there's like no separation between the energy field of the tree and the energy field of my body. So they say, okay, so I'm one with this tree. I'm also one with the earth. Now I'm actually one with the sky. And now I'm actually one with existence. Wow, I am this like energy field. Okay, if I'm one with all of that, then how can I not also be one with you, Clayton, or all of humanity, or all my ancestry? And so you start to see that if you don't feel that way, that's where your work is. Mm. So is it this dance almost between healing yourself and healing the collective? Like I'm trying to see, cause I'm on, I'm on board with what you're saying, but okay. I'm trying to see if we're talking about like healing and getting ourselves to the next level and getting to this place where we're able to view everything from source or oneness. And, you know, we are constantly being told, you got to do the work, you got to do the inner work, you got to heal the child, you got to make sure you're safe. Where is there like a, a pivot that we need to take like every now and then? Is it like issue by issue? Like when do we look at our individual life versus looking at a more collective worldview? 
That's a good question. I, I don't start to put it into words because in its experience, right? So it's like if I was to, to try to communicate in words what is euphoric bliss right it's like okay i can kind of try to get some words that would bring you close but like in order to understand you have to feel it but what you're describing what you're asking is that where do you put your focus if you really want to get results right so it's like in the end of the day it's all about intention you want to get results you want to get what is the result you're after right for me my result that i'm after if i'm going to put energy time money everything into investing into my healing journey which means and it's just so arbitrary to say my healing journey because what it really means is i want to feel good there's really nothing else right it's like i want to feel good and i want the things that i'm excited about to manifest properly and if that happens that's a healed energy like you don't really need more than that right so what is keeping us from feeling good and what is keeping us from being able to manifest our life to be exactly how we dream? Well, that is how I built the Flow State Institute because I started to think about that. I was like, okay, well, what does it really take to heal all that, whatever you want to call it? And I just boil it down to one thing, removing any blocks to the flow. So if you're in flow, if you've ever had the experience of being in flow, being in flow state, where you feel like your life is just flowing, like you think of something, it manifests, you feel great, like you woke up with energy, you feel amazing, like everything's going well, like positive vibes. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. flow state, right? And maybe like you, you're even doing something, you're speaking, you're singing, you're writing, and it's just coming out like the perfect words, the perfect energy is just like there. That's flow state. And there's different ways that it happens for different people. But I learned this very young. So I used to live by a river and I used to watch the river and I would watch it and it just taught me so much. And I feel like I had a soul, uh, probably lifetime of like Taoism. And I just learned all this about the Tao. So in the Tao, like it's the nameless, like you can't put a name on it, right? So this, like, that's what they always, like Tao Te Ching, they talk about that. Like the, the one that is nameable is not the Tao. <laughs> that's actually okay. one of the <laughs> precepts but anyway with that being said i'll try to explain what i'm trying to say so this energy which we'll call it oneness we'll call it like the collective you've put different words into it i've said it in different ways but it's, it's the same thing i call it the flow state to be one with everything the Tao. okay this energy is everything like there's no other thing than that we're all that that's what i was describing when you take a shroom and you sit by the tree you get it okay if you get it now how do you carry that knowing and that experience of energy into everything in life so that mm -hmm. you're experiencing it in your individual self you're experiencing it with others you're experiencing it in your work you experience it even if you're in your darkest sickness moment where you're in pain but you have an awareness that it's there and you can see it because you are you're so deeply connected to the Tao that there is no separation between self and everything. Mm. So you understand? So when you get to that, if you can, that's where meditation, breath work, and these things that I teach help people because they can start to dissolve some of the boundary of this separation, this like invisible shield that we think that we're separate. You and I, I'm separate. Why? 
what makes us separate? Because I have this skin and you have that skin because I'm wearing this sweater. We're not separate, right? So it's just like this facade of energy that we have created with individual identities, which is framed important. These are part of life, but that when we dissolve all of that, then we have just this field of energy, the Tao, the oneness. And that's to connect to that energy is literally the only true healing. So when you focus on me, my story, my life, this, that, the other thing, it's important to a point, but then in order to get rid of all of the past story identity of this broken energy, which was my inner child or my past life or my lineage, is to dissolve it and to dissolve it in such a way that you realize that the only reason for your actual birth on this earth in this lifetime is to serve the collective. And if you get to that, if you can get to that and you find your purpose and you know why you're here and you're serving the collective in that experience of your energy being purposefully, intentionally serving the collective, that can heal everything. And, it, and, and then you don't need to do all this individual work, right? It happens automatically because I am you. So if I'm serving you, I'm healing myself by helping you. I'm healing us both. And then you're killing two birds with one stone or whatever. Like now you're doing your work. You're, you're living your purpose. You're serving the collective. And that's also what can open floodgates of abundance and prosperity because now you're, you, you can get compensated for this service that you're offering. And so then now you're no longer like, how do I heal my poverty consciousness? Instead, you're more like, serving like you're too busy doing the work to like have a thought about all my problems you know like that's where i want people to get to and mm. in order to get to that you do want to have allocation of some amount of time for yourself practice right your meditation your breath your like whatever you journaling your your inner child healing all this stuff you want to have a time every day for that but you want to have also time every day for service for doing for others so that you can start to break down the barriers of self and other and to to open that portal of oneness consciousness because in that field of infinite energy that's more healing than all the other work the other stuff takes way longer if you're just me 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 think about it imagine how many years lifetimes it would take to go through one story by one story of all the trauma of your childhood and every other childhood of all the thousands of lifetimes that's Quite just too long. You can't, there's no point in that. It's just taking too long. So you have to look at it like, okay, what's the fast route? Go to the core, go to the root. And the core is your deepest ancestry. And that actually the deepest ancestry that we all share is God consciousness. We come from the same source. And so directly connecting to that, is so vitally important to the whole journey because I'm not saying don't do the other stuff, but I'm saying don't get stuck there because there's always going to be another story, another this. You can go there when it comes up, but don't spend your life there because if you spend your life there, you're going to look back at the end of the life and go, all I did was think about my own inner child trauma the whole life and instead redirect that energy to serving the world. And then at the end of the life, you're going to say, wow, I helped so many people and I healed myself too. Mm. 
Yeah. So how do you find, because it feels like to me, there's a deep connection here with how you were talking about at the beginning of your story and how letting go is a huge element of it. And it feels like there's a deep connection here with the idea of letting go of my body, my thoughts, my mind, my physical attributes, almost in order to merge my consciousness with this infinite source. So is it almost the act of letting go in order to come in contact with it? Or is there just a state of just being that all is one? Like what, how is, does that unfold on a individual level? It can be accessed in different ways. I feel so for me, I, I think my first experience of it was potentially through the love of my family. Like when I was a little kid, before my mother lost her mind, we were, it had four, four girls. So there's three sisters and I, and then me. So four of us little kids, we used to all sleep in the same bed. So four kids, my mom and dad, and we all slept in the same bed at one point. And it was interesting because I look back on that, even though I had so much trauma, that was a teaching that helped me install a program in a very core level of unity energy, where it was like, we're just a puddle of energy. We always saw ourselves as like a litter of kittens. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was like this puddle of energy, right? Four kids, parents, everybody's in that bed. And it's an energy. Whereas you see the Western culture a lot of times, like your bed, your room, everybody's separate. But anyway, so I learned a little bit there. And then also my parents were into psychedelics. We lived in nature. Uh, I, I started taking psychedelics at a young age. So psychedelics was the second thing that really taught me. And also nature was always teaching me this is like, I would feel the energy of the nature, the trees, the forest, the river, you know, and so nature is always teaching it. So I was learning it along the way. And then later, when I got introduced to yoga in the bigger way, where I was doing like very deep practices, breath work, kriyas, mantra, and I felt through the journey of breath work, specifically kriyas and mantra, even asanas to an extent, but not really. But specifically those three, breathwork, which is the breathing, kriyas, which combines breathwork with a mantra and a movement, and then mantra, which is just a repetition of words, but musically, that those three things had a very distinct impact on my ability to dissolve this barrier field. Because you you get to a point where you merge with the infinite. Like you just, you're no longer even feeling I have this body, you're over there. It's just you feel this energy and you just become one with it. And that's what I'm talking about. So the way that in the yogic tradition we we teach it is by these practices because they're specific the technology that's backed by like Harvard and all this research that show they don't talk about this part. But this is the part that's interesting to me is that it can dissolve that feeling of separation, that feeling of here I am and all my problems and there you are and your, your ancestry, and all this separation. Instead, all you feel is this field of interconnectedness, which we call oneness. And when you feel that energy, you you can't, it's beyond the mind, and it's beyond even words. There's a word for it in yoga that they use the word ineffable. Ineffable means beyond words, which is basically the highest state you can attain which is, I also sometimes call this flow state, but basically the idea that it's beyond words, it's a feeling that's just 
total oneness, interconnected with everything. And if you can access that state, at least a little bit, you start to catch a glimpse of what I'm talking about. And then the more you dive into it, like you do these practices more often, let's say every day, I always encourage, and if, if you can, and then do it more often and for longer periods of time. And you try to build your endurance on how long you can hold that state and to stay in that field of infinite consciousness. And if you can keep stretching it, you know, that's really where the magic happens. Because then there comes a point where you get to a place where there's no question that that's all that exists. And that this other realm that everybody else is operating in, which is me, me, mine, you over there, and the separation between is a limited construct that's keeping a lot of suffering perpetuating on earth. This thing that you're talking about, is it similar to, I believe I was introduced to it called Nerva Kapal Samadhi? Nerva Kapal Samadhi? I think Samadhi, I might be yeah. so Samadhi, Samadhi is the word. So in yoga tradition, that's a Sanskrit word. It's it, it's the highest level of meditation, which is what I'm exactly what I'm talking about. It's like total absorption is another word for it. It's like total absorption with everything. That's the feeling of it. Samadhi, where you're no longer in your mind. You're no longer in the thinking pragmatic part of the brain instead that's shut down and you just merge with this infinite consciousness energy and you feel this like total freedom like it's a liberation from thoughts from identity from any constructs programs beliefs and you just go into this infinite field so that's called samadhi and it's really the highest attainment other than just pure enlightenment. Enlightenment is where you're in samadhi, but you're just always in samadhi, but you can still operate your life. So that's enlightenment. But like samadhi is where you can access that state for a period of time. You could do it for like five minutes, you could do it for five hours. But like the attain or like the the aim of yoga or the whole path is is to get to that and to be there all the time. You know, that's really my goal. Like mm -hmm. if you can just access that all the time, you know, like so far I never got to where I'm always able to hold that 100% of the time. But if you can stretch it, you just keep stretching it and stretching it until it's like more often and then for longer periods and then you learn hacks. And that's what I built my whole school around at Flow State Institute is teaching people how to like access that, how to use that for healing, how to like heal others with that and how to build a whole life and a career of service around that. Because mm -hmm. everything is that, like that's literally everything. But like if you don't understand even that it exists and then you don't know, understand how you can like harness the power of that in unique and powerful ways that are aligned with your purpose of life in order to utilize that energy to serve the soul purpose that you came here for and to serve humanity and the collective. But if you can learn that, that's when you're in flow state. <laughs> mm. So do you feel like you've accessed or you've performed Samadhi then at some point? Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Samadhi is a state. So it's like you mm -hmm. get to a point where you can experience it's like bliss. Have you ever felt bliss? Have you ever felt joy? Have you ever felt ecstasy? These are states. So samadhi is a state, but it's a state of above bliss, joy, and ecstasy where it's just ineffable and you just have like not even the awareness of self, right? So that's mm. the difference. It's like instead of bliss or joy where you're like, you're still very aware that you have this self that's experiencing the joy, right? But if you're like samadhi, you're not even in that part of the brain that identifies of a self. So it's something higher than bliss. It's no longer because to be in bliss, you have to be in the human body. 
So you're almost transcending that. Yeah, because exactly because that feeling, that emotion of bliss, it's like okay, but what what makes you feel the bliss? Because your body feels good. Because you, you're you know energetically you're experiencing something and evoking this sensation, maybe through sex or through drugs or something, but uh, plant medicine or whatever. But like ultimately, that's still through the body. And samadhi mm-hmm. is to take that potential and take it to the next level, which is beyond the body and you're feeling just the emergence of that but that energy is what the universe is made of that is the god frequency so if you go beyond this body and you just go into this god frequency realm which is always available it's always there but if you can access that energy and like connect to it you can feel bliss on every cell of your being but like way beyond that because you recognize you're not even this body (laughs) so it's the being of the body but it's like more than that because you realize like there isn't even a me (laughs) (laughs) that's funny so when you're in that state is there anything to do like other than just being in that state like almost you know or can you use it as like a manifestation portal is it some yeah, but that's sort of much in the in the doing and the, the ego and the mind you can't do it there you can't get there from there like it's no yeah. but but if you go into that everything organizes itself imagine if you knew the address of god and you're like okay i'm gonna go hang out with god for a bit now your ego would be like okay i'm gonna see if god will do this this and this for me but that's not how it works. God already knows everything that you want. All God wants you to do is go sit with him and show that you are at the frequency that can be ready to receive that. So you go over to God's mm-hmm. house, we'll call it Samadhi, and you go, okay, he just wants me to show that I am at the frequency to receive that. Do we need to ask for what I need? No. God knows what you want and need. Do I need to do anything? No. You're perfect as you are. What do I need to do? just embody the energy that shows that I'm ready to receive. And that's not even a need on the body level. It's just embody meaning like to be in that frequency. And then that's it. So Samadhi is that it's the party without any party. (laughs) (laughs) You go to the party just to be there, you know, do dancing. There's nothing. (laughs) The energy of it's so powerful then it organizes the rest of your life in a way, right? So the more you can connect to that frequency, you bring it back to this dimension, it organizes your life. Then all of a sudden, these people drop away, these people come in, this opportunity arises, this alignment is starting to make sense. And you start to say, oh, okay, yeah, like, as I went into that frequency, as I chose that as a priority, as I aligned with the God within me, that is also this ever-present, ineffable, you know, all-powerful, whatever you want to call it, internal source of life, as I aligned with that every day for at least a period of time and stretched that more and more through my meditation, through my breath, through my Kriya, through whatever way that gets you there, that it allowed me to bring that frequency into my day-to-day. And I don't need to do... But then you're going to get guidance when you're back in your body and all that, and you're just like, okay, you need to do this thing. Okay. You got to do things. You can't just be like, and then God made it happen. Sometimes you get miracles, but mostly it's like, okay, then you got to do something. And you do, you do get dire- like direct guidance, I think, when you're really aligned with your higher self and you get the guidance. Like, okay, you need to do this. You need to do your podcast. You need to, like, I'm getting ready to launch a new a new thing. I'm super excited with my foundation. It's actually with these bracelets. Uh, we have different bracelets, but basically 
it's a, it's a meditation ritual that helps people, reminds people to stop and breathe. And it's a very specific breath meditation with these bracelets where they use each one, each bead as a breath. And so we have different ones. I have like black ones with lava stones and uh, different types of stones where they're mostly crystals. And, um, and basically it's this meditation ritual that I created to help people to remember who they are and to connect with the breath and to connect with a mantra if they want and to use this throughout the day. It could be one time per day. It could be 10 times per day, but it's short enough that there's only like 16 beads. So 16 breaths, it's like a minute or two, but it's something doable for people to get started. I really feel you got to do something small enough that you're going to stick with it every day. That's also why I started the 30 day yoga challenge is like, so people can actually do something every single day for a period of 30 days or more. And you're going to see like real results with that. And then you're going to want to stretch it. Then you're going to say, I'm going to do it twice a day. I'm going to do it 10 times a day. I'm going to do this every hour and just stop and really make the intention of entering into that portal of Samadhi and connecting with your God consciousness, your highest self, and really being in alignment with the truth of who you are and getting that direct download of guidance and a re rejuvenation of energy so that you can fulfill your purpose in life. So we're getting ready to launch this. It's going to be at brightfuture.org. It's probably in about a month or so we're going to be launching this. But anyway, people can check it out. It's like super exciting because I was always looking for a way to help people to like create a ritual that's that's going to be doable because a lot of people oh, I can't meditate and I want to make it so simple and so powerful the fastest way to really connect with what I'm talking about is through your breath yeah amen to that <laughs> I think that's a great spot to wrap it up on honestly I'm getting my own internal ping that's saying that this is a good spot so Dashma I'm super grateful for your time this was sweet I enjoyed hearing everything that you've experienced um you've plugged your stuff but i'll drop some of your links down below do you have anything else you want to plug or even a final message for the audience before we get you out of here you know it's funny because if people don't know who i am i'll just say feel free to connect with me anywhere i'm on all the social platforms i have videos everywhere if you're interested in starting somewhere i have an app flow state it's the flow state app um there's so many ways to get started i really want to encourage people if they're even if they're on a spiritual path and they want to get to the next level, if they want to get out of the healer's trap and get into like a better, you know, alignment with their true destiny and calling and the real healing that's available in life, I would encourage you to reach out at any time. We also have a certification program where you can go through this 200 hour in-depth healing program and then learn how to teach that to others. I've taught this to people, thousands of people have graduated, been certified through the Flow State Institute and uh, my mission is to train people on how to heal themselves and how to heal the world with these practices. And I really believe that the more we do that, it's it's a ripple effect that's going to really change the tra trajectory of humanity on Earth as people awaken to this understanding of a higher consciousness and our collective responsibility of the oneness that we are of healing each other and uh, and really staying true and connected to that higher source of life within us so that we can be the embodiment of God on earth. And I really believe that you are that, I am that, and we are one. And so anybody who's connected to that energy, I feel to just say, reach out anytime, apply to be a part of our training program and uh, join the 
join the movement. <laughs> <laughs> join the movement. Join the Enlightenment movement. Dashima, thank you so much. Guys, I love you all. And I will see all of you guys in the sixth dimension. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs>